Welcome to Just Up The Trail. My name is Rob Jones. I'm a hiker. I'm a pretty terrible climber. And now it seems I'm a collector of stories. A librarian, if you will. On this podcast, I'm trying to collect tales of adventure or daring escapades of everyday people doing extraordinary things in the outdoors. We're in Wales this week is my guest Michael Mitchell-Moore, Mitch, shares his journey on the Cambrian Way, some 300 miles from Cardiff to Conway, crossing two national parks and some of the remotest landscapes in the UK. So Mitch undertook this challenge to raise money and awareness, a charity built around restoring mental health through access to nature, so things like group walks, weekend retreats, that sort of thing. I'll leave a few links in the show notes to where you can find those guys. They're doing really, really good work. Mitch also tells me about his mental health journey and how, after being violently sexually assaulted, he found some peace in the outdoors. That comes in around the half-hour mark of our chat, so... If that's a subject that you need to avoid, please do feel free to skip ahead once we start getting into it. I'll leave some links in the show notes if anyone's going through anything similar to some places it can help support you. I really enjoyed chatting to Mitch about his hiking trip and his life in general. And if you want to follow his adventures, then I can leave a link to his Instagram in the show notes. Um, we'll we'll just get straight into it. Where after a very quick shake from our sponsor, I asked Mitch about the relationship between his career in the Royal Air Force and getting out on a hill. This episode is brought to you by Off the Beaten Pot, bringing great food back to the great outdoors. If you would like to learn recipes, hints, tips, tricks for cooking in the great outdoors, then please check out the YouTube channel youtube.com forward slash off the beaten pot cheers just up the trail is also sponsored by you our dear listener if you can spare a fiver a month you'll be helping to keep the show free for those who can't it's a model built on kindness where i get paid for the work i do for the show everybody gets a podcast and you get a lovely warm feeling inside if you can support the show please go to www.justupthetrail.com forward slash support or through the link in the show notes, and I really appreciate that. Cheers. Yeah, so not long after you joined, we would have had the NATO work in Kosovo. Yeah. And then obviously 9-11 in Afghanistan and Iraq yep. and then Libya. And I'm guessing for you it would have been a real high-stress, high-alert period. It, it, it was. I mean, I was a late late starter to join. You know, I must admit, academically at school, wasn't very strong. I was always enjoyed my sport. Never had the RAF on, on my mind or the military. And went through that mainstream education that a lot of you know people do. You know, college, school, college, university. Went to Bristol University, done aeronautical engineering. Party too hard at uni. Reached my sort of academic. I always really, I was always had to work. Struggled, you know, it didn't come naturally. And I'd made the conscious decision a year and a half into university and said, this isn't for me. Went back home to Torbay in Devon and done a few local jobs. But then I knew I wanted something which gave me a diverse career. And at the age of 24, it was right. I, I signed up and, and, and never looked back, really. And I was in Afghanistan 2010. So just uh, at that sort of period. And I'm glad I went. I'm an engineer by background, ground engineer. So welder, fabricator, metalsmith. And up until that point, I'd 
had an operation, you know, down in the Falklands. I went, you know, to a tour to the Falklands and, and I wasn't frontline mainstream, but I wanted to. Uh, it sounds a bit perverse to say that, but join the military, I wanted to do my bit. Um, and then obviously 9-11, et cetera, I was on standby, you know, for various ops. Um, and then I got, you know, deployed to Afghanistan, Kandahar in 2010. And it was, yeah, it was real then. You know, I must admit, I, I, although I was in a workshop, there were, you know, moments daily, the, the warning sirens would go off and we were getting mortared and, and rocketed, you know. And, 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 and again, although I wasn't predominantly front line and my hat goes off to you know those guys and girls that that were it was like yeah this is real and now the job i'm in I, i'm now the south wales schools careers engagement advisor so i go out to schools colleges university employers fairs and i'm that person now chatting presenting going to careers fairs to meet parents and, and sort of say my journey i get great passion out of my job i love it and i always say to people now you know it's given me this you know, it gave me some direction. It gave me confidence, which I am a confident person now. And I would honestly say the Air Force has instilled a good high percentage of that into me. And and, and I say that to, you know, youngsters, especially over the last two or three years where you, you, you meet people and they everyone's been locked away and the social skills and, and all that. And, you know, so it's given me a lot, the Air Force. And now I just sort of say to people, it might not be for you. It might not be for a 24, 25 year career, but you might want to use it as a stepping stone just to sort of give you those personal qualities. Since joining the Air Force and has experiences in the outdoors, have they always been like a counter to to that? I always liked the outdoors. I was always sporting active. I suppose coming from, a, you know, my mum struggled to bring it up, you know, for a long period of time, you know, single parent family. And we tried to make the most of what we had. So locally to me, I was on, living on the coast and I was always that person on my bike, dry, you know, cycling up to the woods, creating carnage, building dens. So I always enjoyed that sort of aspect of it. But when I got into the Air Force, the opportunities that it provided me, I, I think within 12 months of being in, I, I got the opportunity to go and do some mountain climbing. And 10 days later, sort of at the end of it, I was climbing Mont Blanc. Oh, brilliant. I'd never done any climbing. Um, and, and to be in that position to give, you know, and think, wow, I'm here, stood where I am. And it just sort of gave me the bug, I suppose. So I always then looked to get involved in adventurous training opportunities, certainly through work, you know, you know, kayaking. I've been to Sweden and, and, and done some bushcrafting. The, you know, I will say the military is fantastic for that. And then I suppose I then took it. I'm in my happy place and happy space when I go and do these things. So it just naturally then followed into my social life. How, how much a part of your civilian life, if you like, or your out of work life is it nowadays then? Uh, ma- massively. I'm, there's always my bag packed. I try to get a balance of not living up in the mountains or, you know, out, out of a, a jet boil, having me tea in a ration pack you know, <laughs> all the time. But I, I know if I, after a couple of weeks, if I've not gone and been on a, an adventure, even just for a day hike or an evening, if the night weather's nice, I'm thinking, right, let's jump in the car and go and see a nice sunset. I get a bit ratty. Then people say to me, you haven't been out for a while, have you? <laughs> I did see on your Instagram, it might have been from a little way 
back. You went had a night in the Boffy up at um, Raider Dams. We call I, the Elan Valley. We call it from Memster. We always call it Raider Dams. You see, but I, it, it was and um, it's probably the poshest Boffy I've been in. I've seen it. You know, it's a lovely part of the world, the Elan Valley. And I said to my friend, it was I think it was like back in January, so it was a fresh, crisp, and a, a dusting of snow was forecast. And I said, mate. I said, come on, let's do it now. I don't think anybody at the, be at the Buffy. Let's go. And he, and he lives up at Abu Dhabi. So, so I said, let's meet up there. And, and we had a perfect night. We had me and him to ourselves. Um, we, we took a couple of cheeky craft ales and, and, and it was just a clear night. The only downside was we didn't read the book instantly when we arrived. So when we read the book the next morning as we were signing it, somebody had written, please open the chest and there's a bottle of rum. Oh, no, no. <laughs> So we opened it up and there was a bottle of rum. And we were like, oh, God, last night we could have had a tot of rum. But it was a lovely, nice boffy. We used to get up there quite a bit when we were kids because I, I, I left Lempster when I was... I left Lempster properly when I was about 23. I went off to New Zealand and then never went back to Lempster other than right. to pick up my things. But mum and dad still live there. But I've got photos of me and my granddad stood in front of one of the dams and then... I've got another photo of me and my kids stood in front of the dams. Oh wow! You know, yeah. so I mean, yeah. I'm I'm always a bit sad that you know they never got to meet each other because Grumpy passed yeah. a long time ago. Like, but you know, in, but it's just keeping those little not traditions, but the connections between the, the generations. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Without without a doubt, I've been back to a few places over a couple of years and sort of, and I've, they flash up on your time frame, don't they? And you think. God, yeah, I remember that, and it, it was. And the Elan Valley is lovely. I mean, yeah, it, don't tell too many people about it because it's like a lovely little <laughs> secret. It is, yeah. It's hard now trying to find places where it's not overly populated. There looks like there could be a really good walk. I reckon that goes like links up all the dams, but from Raider Town Centre. I think I think I plot, plotted something out once. It was about sixty miles in two nights. But oh, that's good. Proper, yeah. Uh, out in the back of beyond once you get past yeah. the visitor center yeah yeah so. yeah and, and it's beautiful when you think wow and it lovely tea shop in raider itself you know just on the corner there with the monument uh yeah yeah it's uh, again i'm always looking for routes trying to find you know sort of two or three nighters just to get away so it is nice to you know something different uh, yeah. did did see you did hadrian's wall last year as well yes that that was great again i think sort of being in, in the situation we were in the you know with lockdown and everything i hate saying that now i've tried to sort of dip, mm. memory dump it but you know being in that situation again i think i like to have a goal a target something to look forward to and it was a lovely lovely walk i got i got really lucky with, with the weather i'm still learning on what gear to take i'm not an expert yet i probably overpack still on certain things and I, I do like my little comforts and i always think well, if you can just about carry it but it did bite catch me and bite me on the backside this this last walk but hadrian's wall was lovely when when did you do that was that august that was august yeah back in back, yeah back in the late july early august so at what point between then and like april may time did you come up with the idea of doing this cambrian way 300 mile trip that proved to me i could you know the five there lovely and then i again you follow so many people you look at so many feeds and 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 i always in the back of my mind, I'm 48, I turned 48 a couple of weeks ago and I'm leaving the Air Force next year, 25 years. So my, for my 50th, I want to do the PCT or I wanted to do the PCT. And for the last 18 months, I've been following a lot of people 
because I want to go and travel when I leave the Air Force. And I thought, I want to go and combine and do some walks at the PCT. So I, I followed several people and I thought, well, before I do the PCT, I need to know and, and test myself and get out of my comfort zone, etc. What can I do? I live in Wales. I started thinking about it. I looked at it. And, and then the Cambrian Way is not overly advertised. It's not one of those ones that instantly people know about. And I read it and it really t- challenging. I thought, yeah, self-sufficient. Most people had done it in about sort of three weeks if they'd done it in a, in a one So it just got the brain thing, thinking. And I, I am a bit of a planner. I, you know, I wish I was at times. I have learned to become a bit more sod it, grab me gear, let's go. But I think my background is always, I like to have a bit of a plan. <laughs> I'm a bit anal when it comes to that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So the plan was, let's get it organized. And I started researching it. It probably took me six months. And I thought, when's the best time to do it work-wise? Work seasons, you know, when to do it. Um, so April sort of just sort of it aligned naturally. So the route takes you from Cardiff up to Conway. And it takes you up and through the Brecon Beacons, and yeah. then across Midwells up to Snowdonia. So you're taking all the big stuff. It, it, all, all in all, it's about 73,000 feet of climbing. Yeah. All the um, big stuff. <laughs> yeah, all the big stuff, yeah. Um, and I found out, you know, at times I thought, God, yeah. but yeah, the route itself, I'd done se- several parts of the route over a couple of days at some point in the last few years. Not done much of the Midwells stuff, you know, um, and, and and my pronunciation of some of the places, you know, is a bit, so I won't try them now. No. People look at me oddly, you know what I mean? Think, yeah, yeah, oh, got he, that one wrong, mate. You, you heathen. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but yeah, I looked at the route and thought, ah, right, okay. Yeah, looks pretty good. Let's go for it. So yeah, it, it, there was parts of it which, without doing the Cambrian Way walk, I probably wouldn't stop and visit those places. So for that alone, it was well worth doing it. Um, did Was there much in the way of training then? knowing that you had a big thing come in or was it are you are you, you look like you're in generally pretty good shape so I, i'm naturally fit i had a knee operation last october so i tore my meniscus in the breckens one sunday morning uh, and had had that repaired so it was a test of uh, you know building up the knee so in the new year january come i was det- I, I loaded up even if i was just going out for a day hike i started to put weight in again because i was looking at probably carrying i ended up carrying or starting off with knit close to 20 you know 40 45 pounds so i was doing training days with that and i thought oh i can cope with that little did i know that once you start doing a through hike with that weight it, it bit me on the ass yeah but we'll get into that don't worry yeah so you're in cardiff yep you've got a few people about to send you off on your merry way yeah. How how are you feeling at the start of your walk? How's the pack feeling? What's the walking like on that first sort of day and a half? So yeah, just take us through that first sort of two or three so days of the f- first few days because of the work and I I I have some links with some local students, uh, the motivational prep colleges, you know, and I offered it out and I thought good opportunity for some local you know students to join me, which they did from the Cardiff MPCT in Cardiff. So that was really good. I was nervous first you know the closer it got I, I must admit I was like there is that element of well can I achieve this and 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 the pressure of doing it for a charity uh, I, I think it kind of adds a little bit of pressure but at the same time it keeps you focused to do something 
on the day itself probably went off a lot quicker than I should have. <laughs> Adrenaline. I was joined by some locals from Cardiff and, and, and they joined me for the first sort of few hours of the first day. And the first sort of two or three days were quite urbanish. Um, so I was fortunate I didn't camp out those first three nights purely because I had a friend mate I'm getting towards the end of day one can you come and pick me up and he, he brought me back and then we'd done that for the first three days um, and then once I got out towards sort of Abergavenny I, I went cheerio and I was kind of solo then so uh, yeah it, w- it was good to test actually the weight that I had as well over those first few days knowing I had a bit of support what you were saying you kind of felt you probably went off a bit too quick what sort of was your daily mileage is on those oh, first few days uh, uh, the, the the route itself i'd i'd allowed between 15 and 8 and 18 miles a day roughly that was what i was sort of giving myself i covered the first day in about 4 hours i was like rapid running you know yeah i was it was just you know it was bonkers and then I next day I said, no, conscious to stop. You know, uh, you know, must set, make myself stop. Enjoy what's around you, even if it's just stopping for a coffee and chat. You know, so I did slow it down because realistically, and and by the end, I was doing six, seven, eight, nine hour days because mm. I was enjoying it a bit more. And you got the light, haven't you, in May? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, and I always said, as long as we, once I got going and I was camping, once I, if as long as I was somewhere to pitch my tent by about six, seven o'clock in the evening, that that was enough. But those first two or three days, I was like, right, I've got to slow down here, you know. And again, it's that test and adjust sort of mindset. So, at what point did you start to worry about the weight in your pack, and you started getting some problems with your feet, didn't you? And day four or five might have been. <laughs> we had a chat on Instagram about boots or trail runners didn't we i think that might have been the first time we properly connected on social media as well and i took your advice and tra- changed over the trails looking at your feet they looked to be in a pretty bad state they were yeah i didn't and because it was urban yeah you, you know it's lessons learned this is my first sort of big hike i suppose urban a lot of concrete and the weather at the time is it was a dry april and you know we haven't had much sort of rain um, and I wore my boots just naturally thinking, oh, I'm going to be climbing mountains. Let's get the boots on and break the boots in more, even though I'd worn boots you know, on and off and trail shoes where, whenever I go. But I stuck the boots on and sort of day four or five, I, I think I got the crocowl and, and I said to friends, I said, my bit, feet are in bits. And I think I said to you and I posted it. I wanted to post and be honest. You know, that was one thing I was trying to going to highlight and be honest, whether it's good or bad. And I sort of said, I think, you know, mentally, I, God, if my feet carry on like this, I'm not going to be able to get the challenge done. So I had to kind of day five, reset a little bit, adjust the weight in my bag and switch to trail shoes before I started hitting the big stuff. Common advice is if you're going in the mountains, you wear big boots. Yes. I very much follow the, shall we say, the American ultralight philosophy of pound on your feet is worth five on your back. So, you know, go light and go fast. I Like when I go, we're very rarely do we leave a trail. Yeah. So I don't necessarily need full on ankle support. I'm not, no. I'm not wearing crampons. I'm, you, you know. So. Uh, yeah, no, without that. And, it, and, and it's taught me now, I've had time to reflect. I would always now wear trail shoes. I've got good trail shoes and, and, and bear, I'm not one of these walkers. I, I know you get caught out in bad weather sometimes. 
you know, and therefore boots come in handy. But ultimately, I'm not one of these hikers, you know, I'm going out this weekend, no matter what weather. If the weather's yeah. really bad, I don't go. No, no, no. You know, I want to enjoy it. So therefore, I thought now, really, trail shoes all the way. Yeah, so I've much. got a pair of um, Gore-Tex trail shoes, which I wear in the winter. And I've got mm. just some bog standard trail runners. They let the water in and everything. I wear yeah. them in the summer. And if I if they get wet, they dry within half an hour of it stopping yeah. raining. Yeah. And it also airs my feet out and... I, I haven't had a bl- touch wood. I haven't had a blister since I've been wearing trail runners and that's probably 2014, 2015 I switched to trail runners and I've not had a blister. So No, I, I think from day five when I changed my footwear and obviously you're doing that daily foot, foot, foot care at the end of the, the day, powdering and all that. I think the only time I then really suffered was probably a, about day 19 or something when I'd done um, Cader Idris to sort of Barmouth. And it was a scorching hot day. We'd done a lot of, uh, we'd done about 19 miles. And yeah, towards the end, it was a lot of tarmac into sort of Barmouth and down in and, and that. And I took, my, I took my shoes off at the end of the day and I took a photo because they were in bits then. And it, you know, but, you know, other than that, I'm glad I swapped. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you about the, the weight in your pack, where did it all come from? <laughs> I look, I watched, I probably overthought it. I watched so many people's thoughts views you know what to pack experience of me what to pack i probably you know i thought i'm just in case i might need this there were a couple of items where oh i might need this because i was going pretty self-sufficient after sort of day four or five you know thinking right well i'll best take that the weather uk weather you just you know as it was i probably only had about five days of drizzle and one day of really mm. wet weather but then you think i could have 20 days of wet weather mm-hmm. so do you take a bit more so again it was a learning curve for me and, and by the time i put it all in you know i i you know stupid things like wash pack wash kit you know and, and a medical kit i put too many things in I, I, you know and again now I, i've come back and i wrote a list of did i use that no would i need to use that no if you've got to go and go commando for 15 days, you know, I mean, it, it, it was ridiculous. I look back now on some of the things I took and I thought, what were you even thinking, Mitch? But every day's a school day, you know, so, <laughs> you know, but, but the way it ended up being best part of 40 odd pounds. And I thought, wow, you know, a lot of food. Mm-hmm. I do like my food. You know, that is something that I do like. And again, probably thought mm, probably a bit too much water. There were certain that, parts you know you add in because it was a dry april i mean i did probably have most days on me about three kilograms of water you you know three liters of water at least and i'm glad i did because some of the water sources in certain areas were quite scarce yeah yeah but yeah it was you know i reckon now i could at least shave off at least five kilograms in weight you know easy we um i think we had the benefit and I've said this a few times on here, where we started doing our longer hikes with the kids. After a few years of doing it, we're really refined. So now that the, to like just what we need. Yeah. You have to be, you have to be very, very, you know, this is it, adamant. I don't, you know, you've got to be strict. You can't afford that just in case moments. And what if this, and I might need that. And I had a friend meet me midway 
with some supplies because I, I said you can keep the supplies but i want to glad you're here because i want to give you some stuff because i don't want any more you wrote a post on instagram around the time when your feet were killing you i think you decided you were going to take a few days off but you said something about and i thought it was absolutely rubbish you said you felt either like a failure or a fraud or can you speak about like what's going through your mind at those, those moments that i suppose i was because i was doing it for myself but at the same time that i would had so much support through the charity and through people that you know friends family that sponsored me and in my mind you picture how the journey's going to go and having never done a, a, a hike of that magnitude before it was that self-induced pressure and i didn't want to say i'm struggling here but i wanted to be honest to say i'm struggling here so I felt a bit of a fraud because you meet people and the generosity of people even, you know, on the way in those early days was fantastic. Brilliant, what you're doing, really good, good luck. And then, like, on the day, I think it was, like, day six, you know, I'd only reached the Breckens. I thought, I'm going to have to have sort of 24 hours off here. And I had a good friend, Sarah, and her husband live in Merthyr. And they came to pick me up. And she said, don't, don't be afraid, Mitch, to say, that you've struggled you know just readjust take sort of 12 hours you know 24 hours and go again you'll pick the mileage up and it was a real comfort for the support that came in from people to say i think yourself as well look mate you're not a fraud yeah you just you know life is about adjustments if it was all so simple we'd all be doing it <laughs> you, you know and 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 actually i've learned a hell of a lot from the from that you know you learn more from failure you know at, at times um or a struggle or you hit a brick wall taking a moment to sort of reflect and see right what what can i do how can i you know to walk away and not have done the journey again that would have been a maybe a big letdown but i went again and it turned out good in the end you know and i learned a lot about myself yeah i think even if it had been to the point where you had to say do you know what this ain't gonna happen that's still fine yeah You've got to be okay to say this ain't going to happen because it sometimes. So we were up in Snowdonia recently um, on our on our hike, and we got fifty miles in. We were doing the Snowdonia way, so from McConcliffe up to Conway, and we got it was probably halfway through day four. We'd done about fifty miles, and the boys started redecorating the hillside. So we got him off the hill, found, found a campsite. The next day, it was like, well, if he's feeling better, we could probably carry on. We've still got enough time, but he didn't eat anything. So there's no way I'm taking my kid up into the mountain after being ill and then not replenishing for a day. Plus the knock-on is then we've got to average 20 miles a day to hit our train. We're going home. And if I had carried on, I would have been irresponsible. Yeah. If I had had to call Mountain Rescue, I would have been irresponsible. Yeah, and I've always said that, and it's great that you say that because... Yeah, exactly that. If I'm then go- going on and, and, and getting into trouble and, and others are having to come out then and save me, then 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 you are being an idiot. It, it, exactly that. So, yeah, I mean, you're right there. And, and I'm glad I sort of took that moment out to say, look, I need a bit of a break, readjust my kit, you know, um, which I did, readjusted my feet, got some words of encouragement from friends and family uh, and, and people I'd never met. And, and I went again, you know, and... That sort of input from, you know, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or whether it's your friends or your family or people you've met on the trail, it really gives you that sense of 
like community on the trail, oh. the trail community, doesn't it yeah. make you feel like you're part of something a little bit bigger than just oh. you walking on your Todd through Wales? It, it, it was amazing. You know what I mean? I, I, you know, I chat to people now that I never even, I didn't know six weeks ago. You know what I mean? And they, you know, they, I'm not a big social media user. I'm not on Facebook. Well, I, I came off Facebook several years ago. Instagram was great because it gave me ideas during lockdown and that's all it was. And when I started doing the walk, it was the charity that said, look, you know, open it up to, cause I was very private. I was only really on Instagram for my own personal memories and to get ideas, you know, fitness and outdoors. And, and the charity said, look, open it up to the public so they can follow you and support you. And it was one of the nicest things I'd ever, you know, I, I'd done, you know, wouldn't be sat here now without Instagram and open it up, you, you know, and, and the support of, of, and the good words of encouragement from people were, were, were overwhelming. Um, you've mentioned the charity aspect a few times, but we haven't actually mentioned the charity itself. So do you want to tell us a little bit about Yeah, so, so it's uh, Mind Over Mountains, brilliant charity. You know, it, it works well with me. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, I was conscious that I wanted to do something for, I've always donated to charities, but never really done. It's a big thing in the military. There's a lot of people do charitable events and all that. But I was conscious that times have been hard for people. You know, do I do it for a charity or just do it for myself? I've done some research, approached four or five charities at the beginning of the year, saying, look, I'm looking at doing this challenge. Two or three of them, were, that's great, we'll get back to you. And they didn't, you know, for whatever reason that, you know, and Mind Over Mountains, brilliant, fantastic. They came to me, said, look, can we tee up a, a Zoom meeting? We'll have a, have a chat. And they, they were so supportive. And it when we, when I spoke to them about what they are about and they've, you know, chatted to me of my background of you know, where I've come from as such, it just seemed to be a natural fit. You know, I, I, I'm trying to sort of support them on other things. And, and join them they do some great retreats you know look them up you know it, it's not just about military people uh veteran you know it's there's, it's just all walks of life any ages if you're struggling you need a moment you like the outdoors perhaps they are good for you um i had issues well i've had issues for a few years and um like last year i had proper issues um like time off work and they sent me off for stuff like counseling and stuff like that but I, I always link my mental health with my access to the outdoors but then that put like if I'm down then I have put so much pressure on that trip needs to be a perfect success and then when it isn't that can send me spiraling as well so there's always that balancing act we always talk about how get outside it's good for your mental health go on a walk and that's brilliant but there is the other side of sometimes if that's meant to be the thing that fixes us and it doesn't then what do we do so i think that's where groups like mind over mountains that's the one that's set up by alex staniforth isn't it yes. yeah that's yeah. right yeah. yeah i'm glad i got that's that it. right because there's also one set up the similar named one through trail magazine isn't there maintenance for the mind or something isn't yeah there? yeah but alex staniforth yeah he, he he's been fantastic great 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 guy it's things it's groups like that where there is the community aspect. It's not just the get out into the fresh air. It will do you good. It is linking up with other people, maybe going through, maybe not the same things, but similar outcomes from different scenarios. It really helps to lift it, I suppose. I, I, I'm a chatty person uh, and I will say hello to, I live by the motto, say good morning to somebody, say hello, because that might be the only person 
that they say hello or good morning to it throughout the day. You never know where somebody's mind is or somebody's background is coming from. So when I'm out, I, you know, I, I do say hello, you know, enjoy your walk, stay safe. And if people want to chat for two minutes or so, and then you go on your way, it's been brilliant because that's part of the walk. walk. And it exactly is that, you know, it's not just getting out. So I've been out for walks before the weather's turned. I've been on my own, not seen anybody all day. And you come back and your mindset's not in that happy mm-hmm. place where it should be. So it's getting that fine balance. And I think certainly for the those as a charity, that they, they promote that, that, come out, you know, say hello to, you know, go for a walk with somebody, you know, and, and you know, it's nice to know that it's not just you, you know. I mean, my background, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say, I used to be afraid to say it. I was raped as a 16, 16 year old, you know, um, I was raped on two occasions by a group of guys. Um, and it, I realized it was wrong, but I memory dumped it, blocked it out for years and years. And it put me back a few years in terms of sort of that confidence. I've always, um, you know, was quite a confident person. I think then joining the military, I went into a, an all male predominantly all male environment and and you're supposed to be you put on that persona that there that that persona so again it just sort of went to the back of my mind but when i was out walking i used to sit and reflect on things and it's no good reflecting on your own sometimes it is there's moments for it and there's occasions when it's not you know and and so then i did seek counseling later on in life and then i suppose with the charity it promotes it's okay to not be okay, you know, that sort of mindset. And, and, and so I, so now I'm happy to sort of say, this is my background, this is my journey by speaking to people. And if you can combine that with something which you enjoy, um, i.e. for me, the outdoors, it, it was just sort of that, that, natural, that natural fit. And they were very supportive to say, it's, I was keen to put that on my um, Just Giving page. I didn't just want to say I was abused because there's in a different there's a difference between abuse and rape. You know, abuse could potentially be just you know long term over an extended period. You know what I mean? I was violated on a couple of occasions, and it sent me in a wrong wrong dark moment. And for the charity to say actually it's really good to have a, ma- a male role model to be able to say that. You know, uh, I'd like to think I'm in a good place now and a good person. So you take a couple of days to reassess. You get your feet sorted out or give them a bit of time to heal up and you make another plan. And what? so what were the major changes you made like over those few days too, like your kit and your maybe your schedule and how was the walking afterwards once you made those changes? Did you start to feel? I started to enjoy it. Yeah, I did start to enjoy it because I'd made those slight adjustments. I'd had some words of encouragement and I looked at kind of myself to say, take the pressure off yourself, Mitch. You know, you're putting a lot of pressure. You know, why do you go? I I did sit there and go, why do you go walking and hiking? 
because you want to enjoy it. You want to stop and take in those moments. And I think I was thinking too far ahead rather than just, right, today is this day. This is, you know, you know, I had you know, a rough mileage of where I wanted to be at the end, you know, come six o'clock at the end of the day. And I kind of just done it small chunks. Whereas th- before I was thinking, you know, day two in, my feet were in. I was like, oh, my God, I've got three weeks of this. You know, <laughs> you get to Pont- you get to Pontypool and you're thinking, oh, Conway seems a long way away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, forget Conway. Somebody said to me, forget Conway, mate. Get to Abergavenny. Get get to Story Arms. Get yeah. to yeah. Do you start to find some rhythm then, and you start to like get find that hiker fitness, which is yes. hiker, hiker fitness is always a little bit different to fitness fitness because I we we find that like the first day is really hard, the second day you're kind of recovering from the first day and the third day, the third day you start to find your feet. And then by the time you get to four days, four, five, six, you're absolutely rocking. And and then your hikes finished because you've only had a week. So. Well, well, the thing was where, what it was funny really, because I eval- you know, planned that I would do between 15 and sort of 18 miles daily. So I had points of where I would be. And I kind of, there were times where I could have cracked on through. You know, I had that hiker fitness was up uh, and I was thinking, you know, and you see people now and they go, you know, they're banging out on the PCT. They're doing 25, 30 mile days, you know, and, you know, with a lot of these through hikers. And, and I thought not, maybe not quite that, but uh, there were certainly times where I thought it's oh, I could push on and do 25 miles here. But because, you know, which was nice, it made me ease back and actually enjoy the moment because I'd said I'd meet a friend on day 17 at such and such place and you know and i cheekily but obviously i had conway i've treated myself to a nice hotel you know in, in conway you know above a pub which had like copious amounts of craft ale which was lovely but but because i'd kind of give that myself little goals that i had to be at some point it made me slow down so i actually enjoyed it you know rather than just cracking on through and um, how was that stretch from like the Brecon's up to Snowdonia, up through um, like Midwells, up to Plindham, and because that's like one of the really, it's one of the like other than maybe the Kengorm Plateau, it's one of like the last really remote places we've got, isn't but it? Without a doubt, the guidebook said, and a lot of reviews and people that had sort of seen do it, read stuff, said that middle section was very remote. So I got to Landovery, and that was kind of when it went remote. Again, places you'd probably never stop off, names you'd see but drive on past. And it was, I won't lie, it was very remote. There were a couple of days where I didn't see anybody. And there were a couple of days where I stopped off at the Tyne Tin Cornell Bothy uh, um, uh, bunkhouse. Um, so it's the, the Wales's most remote bunkhouse. Lovely place if you ever get the opportunity to go there. Brilliant, you know, but again, that walk to there and, and beyond there was very remote. There were, were times where I thought, it's nice. But it did make me realise I do like to see someone to say hello or good morning to now and then. You know what I mean? It, it, I was very lucky. Uh, other than one day where I got stuck in a peat bog, and thank God I had my poles. Yeah. Yeah. If the weather was bad, you had to know your nav a little bit. And I had a GPS device, plus I was you know pretty good with a map. And I got very fortunate with the weather. Mm-hmm. I thought if it, if it had been miserable weather, you could be in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, because like I think I've been up around Plindham and because because um, obviously they've come from like Herefordshire, you go back and you find the source of the Y, don't you? And yeah, yeah and like that's just there's just nothing up there. No, no, it, it is it is a strange 
place. You know, a couple of days of, you know, and I can see why people do it in, a lot of people do it in like three or four day chunks. Right. You know, I did meet somebody that was, she'd been doing the um, Cambrian Way over the period of about six six months. And every time she gets two or three days off from work, she'll plan in and come and do a couple of days. But logistically, it is, I mean, they put it up there as one of the toughest through hikes in the UK purely because logistically it's very remote in places so for that how long did that stretch take you then from uh Landovery up to i suppose up to did you go up to mckinley was that the next stop yeah yeah so, so i i was that was kind of week two about five five or six days and you had all, all your food on your back then did you yeah for all my there, food there's no resupplies in between no like, no no, right. no. So, self-sufficient i i'd planned to have food for the first five days bit of a resupply just as i was about to leave the brecken so friends dropped me off like another pack packet up of food then it was that middle part i did have a pub you know and again looking back now there were you know in landovery pub meal you know you could you know get away with that um I was going to say, you say it like a bad thing. You are allowed those little things. Yeah, I know. Yeah, 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 definitely. We, we always kind of, because we're always into like the wild camping, we always think like, oh yeah, but if we have a campsite, it's cheating. But no, have a shower when you need yeah, a shower. Yeah, like, I, did, you know, well, I, I did in the end. I did in the end. Yeah, I must admit, towards, towards the end, I, I did have a, a campsite up in Snowdonia. My friend joined me for a couple of days from Bedgeller onwards. Um, you know, and we did have a nice campsite and, you know, a couple of, you know nice stops and a few pub pub lunch you know pub evening meals and what have you so you know that that middle section very remote i got very fortunate there was a guy i stayed in a geodome um they messaged me his, his sister had been following me on the journey and and it was i was up there again forgive my pronunciation deliver deliver um near devil's devil's bridge sort of and, and all that um so he messaged me to say mitch brilliant what you're doing the weather's about to turn. It was going to be one of them awful nights. And he said, I've got a farm. If you want to come and freshen up and, and whatever, you're more than welcome to stay. I, I said, can I let you know how I do by the end of the day? And then I'll see if I'm going to be near nearby. And, and as it was, I was. I said, can I take you up on that offer? And I got there. Wow. I mean, so, again, it was a, an amazing place. And it, 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 it hot shower. It even had a Swedish sauna, two-person oh, two, two, two hot tub. I felt like a king just for a night and uh, a couple of fresh eggs from the farm. And it, again, that boost in the mindset, the hospitality of lived them around and it saw me for the final sort of push then. Once you get to Snowdonia, you did Cadder and then you went out to Barmouth and then you decided you're going to change up a bit again. So because my feet were bad when we got to Barmouth, um, I said to my, it was funny, um, the Rinogs were the next stage, you know, and I've read a lot about the Rinogs. I've never been, I've never been there, and it's a tough two days, a very remote uh, and tough. They're on my list of like, I'm going to go up and do them. I, I won't, I won't take the kids. I'll go and do it on my own. So when we did, when we did Snowdonia Way, we went up through Coedie Brennan, uh, through the forest, through the forest park on that side of the road, if you like. But there's a what looks like a really good two night, maybe three day traverse of those mountains. Like they'd be epic, I reckon. If you're not on your A game, I didn't want to be that person calling out mountain rescue. And so we got we got to Barmouth, and my mate jokingly said we well, could always get the last train back to 
because I had all the gear, you know, I was quite still heavy then. And, and I thought, right, we've got some big climbs to come. I, you know, over the next few few days, he was leaving me then because he lived in Abu Dhabi. So he joined me for that stage there and done me to, you know, walk with me over Kader and Barma. And I jumped, I made a last minute call at about six o'clock in the evening. It was a nice sunny night on a, the Sunday. I got the train to Shrewsbury. I was back in Cardiff in two hours. I got back to my house at sort of midnight. I jumped every, through everything I owned in my car and drove back up to Barmouth on, on that first, on the Monday morning first thing. And the plan was then to see what the weather was going to do, either take on the Renogs, but lighter, and then leave the car in, in Barmouth or see what, if the weather was going to be poor, I'd go up the sort of the coastal side, uh, you know, uh, and Porth, up to Porth Maddock and, and, and that way. Um, and as it was, the weather was changing um, and I made the decision to not be an idiot. I still wanted to get the mileage in, you know, so I think I was honest again to say, look, you know, I'm not going over the Rinox. They will come another day. But I wanted to get the mileage in, left the car in Barmouth, went up. Yeah, and, and what I'd done then was a couple of days, got back to get the car. So I was kind of shuttling um, sort of back for a few days to get the car and then eventually sort of left the car and he joined me again then in in, in Bedgeller. So I, I'm, I'm glad I made that decision. I want to go, I will go back and look, take on the Rinox, but just it wasn't to be over that, that, that period. So how did it feel when like, after having that such a heavy pack for so long, suddenly be slack packing, if you like, for a want of a better word. I bet you felt like you were flying up those hills, were you? It, it, it was great, you know. Um, you, you obviously, you, yeah, I can see why people do it over a couple of day period now each time, you know, because obviously you can go a lot lighter, you can carry, take on a bit more mileage, you can be a bit more lighter on your toes and, and probably enjoy it, you know. But yeah, I, I felt... Yeah, I was like a new new man, and it was it come at a good time because I thought I've got a week left. Conway was in sight, but I was looking forward to the challenge of, you know, Snowdonia, you know, the glitters, you know, and those final nights, you know, and that part of the world is nice. And it was not on a weekend, so it wasn't obviously going to be as busy. So um, yeah, it was really nice to sort of think, and the one. Connect is it connect? Yeah, yeah so I think co- so. Yeah, connect, yeah the connect. night they call it the night. Yeah. Yes, um, that was by far my nicest day. I really, I really enjoyed that. I'd never been there. Uh, going up over that that leg of the walk was going coming up through the the dam, um, and then dropping into where the old mining quarry was. Uh, wow, blew my mind. I mean, the sun came out. It was a lovely blue sky. I think it was FA Cup final day as well. So I, I planned to get somewhere to get me tent and, and I did have one cheeky can of craft ale in my bag and I was going to stream the FA Cup final if I get a signal. And I did just at the foot of Knick, looking up at that, the quarry behind me, brilliant. It was, for me, was my nicest day. Yeah. Brilliant. And did the result go your way as well? Or? Yes, it did. Yeah. Yeah. The result went my way. Yeah. It, it was it, all in all. It was, who won it in the end? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, not... Liverpool won it in the end. Yeah. So how did you feel when you first get that sort of glimpse of Conway in the distance? Like where it's an achievable distance? Because for us, again, in Scotland, it was like the penultimate day, I suppose. And we came around the corner and there's Ben Nevis right there. Yes. And, you, and you get this sort of feeling of like you're, you're happy because you've done it. 
because the, like, yeah. there's not a lot can stop you now. But then there's also this little tinge of something, which is like, but that means it's finished tomorrow. Yeah. And what am I going to do after that? Yeah. No. Yeah, the, the, I had all those emotions. I remember the night before, my uh, me and my mate have, were camping up and we were chatting right last last day, you know. And he said, you know, well done, mate. You you made it, you know. And taking the piss a bit, saying, remember two and a half weeks ago you were moaning because you had a little blister on your foot, like you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, on that final day, it was a strange one because the weather was fantastic, you know, great again. Um, and when you come across that final bit of the ridge, so we came from Linogwin, that final day from Linogwin straight up. So when you're on the road by Linogwin there, you literally where the visit, visitor centre is, you've got the visitor centre. The, the, the Cambrian Way path is literally across the road, you know, and, and that's one thing about the Cambrian Way. It was marked really well in some places. You'd see the, you'd see the way marker in random places, which were great, but you'd see several on the bounce, and then you'd go a whole day and not see a thing. <laughs> that was the thing with the Snowdonia way. Though it's not a waymark trail. It's like we'll have a bit of this trail, then a bit of that trail, and then you know, down the pony path of Caddo, and then we'll jump on this bit. I've actually fed it back to the Cambrian Way official Instagram team. You know, they because they messaged me say, and I, and I did say, I said, you know, great route. I said, but you need to sort out the waymark in a bit. You know what I mean? It's as if they've put markers up where it's easy for them to get to, and the, and the most remote parts where they have to walk for a day and a half, they've probably gone, nah, we won't bother with that. <laughs> when I worked for the forestry up in Scotland, we used to have to go and like do fences halfway up, up the side of the mountains. And, like, so you get the van as close as you can, and then you get the quad bike and trailer off and take that as close as you can, and then you're just handballing posts another mile maybe. You're chucking them, so. spear-throwing them into the ground like, yeah. But yeah, we that last day sort of from Lynn Ogwin up, once, once you're up on the ridge... Yeah, it's a cracking walk. You know, you're literally gradually going down, down. And then you still get, you get about probably eight eight miles out. I think that last day was 19 miles. You get you, you get about eight miles out and you can sort of see Conway in the distance and it teases you, but you know you've still got a good couple of hours of walking left. Um, and it is that sort of, I've done it. And then when we got there, it was, well, well I've done it now. You know what? <laughs> big, big euphoria and sort of pleasure. But then a couple of hours sort of when we were in Conway having a pint and sort of everyone was sort of being really great again. You know, it's, wow, you've walked all the way from Cardiff Castle. Can't believe, you know. Afterwards, then, in the evening, when we were having a bite to eat, we was like, he, he was like, well, what are you going to do now then? You know what I mean? Because it was like, yeah, actually, I've done it. You know, it was a big build-up. It, it probably took me six months of planning when the idea dropped into my mind and then as it got closer closer and you know and then to complete something i would obviously say the only thing i can relate it to was when i first joined the the ref that first day one of 10 weeks basic training 10 weeks seems so far ahead and then when you pass out you go i've done it but there's a big, big bit of a sort of oh yeah and then there's that transition to or like certainly with hiking there's the transition from i am a hiker i i get up in the morning and i walk and then you're back home and so 
you've got a big transition coming up though because you're coming up to retiring from the RAF. Yes, so I've put my notice in, yeah. So how how is the outdoors life going to factor in with whatever you choose to go forward? Is there something outdoors based that you want to try and move into or is it all a bit in the air? There's a bit of it's a bit in the air. Um I'm going to take time off to travel, you know. Um I I am literally going to I've got a pot of money if I can stretch a year and a half, two years out of it, then great. You know, I, I want Australia, New Zealand, Asia, and then I do want to go across to South America and then try to do the PCT or at least parts of it. You know, that is if I can stretch. I'm under no pressure. You know, a lot of people leave the military or, you know, on a Friday, they have a week off in Spain and then they start a new job. I've got job offers, you know, I the, the the roles which I want to get into, I work very closely. I mentioned them earlier, the, the MPCT colleges, motivational prep colleges. They do a lot of outdoorsy stuff. I've worked closely with them and I can see myself in that environment. One, it's with youngsters, you know, post 16 to 18. Two, it's a lot of fitness and based activities. And I think to myself, I quite, I would enjoy that, you know. I'd like to sort of go across and, and work potentially with them or in that sort of field. They have been very kind to me and said, Mitch, you know, when you've got your travel bug out of the way, come back to us. But who knows? You know, I think the last two and a half, three years has certainly made me think, you know what, what will be, will be. Go and do what you want to do. You know, go and do that travel. I've had great opportunities through work, but I've never just done traveling as a, a hiker. As a, as a tr- tourist as such. And there's some wicked hikes in every single one of yeah. those places that you've mentioned. Yeah. So um, that that's the plan. Yeah, and you get to the States and there's more hiking than you could do in a lifetime, isn't there? And and who knows? And I jokingly say to friends, I think my, my future wife is in Brazil on a beach and she just don't know it yet. <laughs> but she likes hiking. And she likes, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm going to go with an open mind traveling. She's a lady that when when you get to the beach after a hard day on the trail, you throw your bag down and she comes along with a cold can of craft beer for you. That That's that's it, maybe. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. What will be, will be. You're just quickly on the fundraising side. How much money did you raise for Mind Over Maintenance? So it's up to 2,000. I think the final total was 2,285 pounds. Brilliant. What an effort. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really pleased. Again, the generosity of people. I didn't know how much I want, you know, I'd like to have raised it sort of a thousand pounds. Then it went to 1,500. It went, you know, I've. I raised, came back with about 250 in cash. The most touching moment for me, I was on that last day going into Conway and I'd stopped for a coffee with my friend and we were just sort of reflecting and chatting, enjoying that moment. And over the way came Hollywell Ramblers um, and there must have been about 15, 20 of them. They stopped and chatted and I'm open and honest to sort of say, obviously I've got the T-shirt on, you know, and so people ask me, you know, do, do you mind us asking? why you, you that charity and i was told them my story and just as they were leaving they had a whip round and gave me 65 pound between them just in cash and change and one gentleman he must have been in his 70s and it brought a tear to my eye and it even does now as i'm saying saying it he shook me by the hand looked me in the eye and he said young man he said i know where you're coming from i know your story 
and I wish you all the best in life. You know, and for me, that was probably the most touching moment of the journey. So I hope you got something from that. It was really good to talk to Mitch about his hike through Wales and about his journey from where he was to where he is now. And I think he's an absolute credit. Um, Yeah, an absolute credit. So if you want to follow him on Instagram, I'll leave links to him in the show notes. He sounds like he's got lots of really wicked plans for when he finishes in the RAF. So we'll keep an eye on what he's doing and I'm pretty sure we'll have him back at a future date just to hear what he's been up to next time on the show i think we're having a bit of a special my first mountain episode with a friend of mine jamie he's a fellow podcaster he does a parenting podcast but he's we're going to hear all about his first trip up snowden in what i hope will become a bit of a series of my first mountain episodes of this show because we've just got to remember that we all have an entry point to mountains and hiking and as much as as much as some of us more experienced hikers turn our noses up at the crowds on Snowden and Penny Van and all the honeypot sites, we all started somewhere and it's just gonna be interesting after being in this world for a few years now to hear from someone who's hopefully just putting a first tentative foot into it. Um so yeah, so I've got a bit of a before and after his first climb of Snowden next time so follow us on instagram at just up the trail and of course we're over, we're over on patreon if you can help us out there and there's usually some other bits and pieces going on at www.justupthetrail.com i'm going to take a little break in august hopefully you won't hear any different it should all be set up to come we're trying to go up to aaron so depending on the train strikes the dates of which are going to be announced today as i speak thursday the 14th of july if the trains are running, we're going up to Aaron. So that's going to be pretty epic. We might get eaten by midges, but where it's been so hot and dry, we might be all right. I have got a really exciting trip planned for October with a couple of people down to Dartmoor. So that'd be cool. That's something to look forward to as the nights start getting a bit colder. But anyway, that's for another day. Have a good rest of July. Happy trails. Oh,